0: Super stoked to have Distro Kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show.
1: Down at the, uh, the-
0: <laughs> what is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes. Clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Tell a friend about the podcast, share it somewhere. Any of that is very much appreciated. Leave a comment on the socials. That seems to uh, break down those algorithms, algorithms for some reason. And, uh, I've also been dropping some monthly playlists every first of the month that are available on Spotify and Apple. The link for those will be in the episode notes every first of the month, keeping it pretty spread out genre wise, just kind of a, uh, snapshot of what I'm listening to throughout the month. Some things that are making it into my, uh, DJ sets. As of late, speaking of DJ sets, I have one this coming Sunday, September 4th, over at North 45. I'll be over there from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on the patio. Always a good time over there, so uh, come check that out. You can follow me on Instagram at Dan Presents if you want to keep up with any of my other DJ sets or anything else that I've got going on in the near future. Stoked to get into episode 323 and share my conversation with Small Paul. They put on one of the best live performances I've seen in the Pacific Northwest scene in quite some time as far as rock and roll bands. A couple months ago, I got to uh, see them play at the Doug Fir, one of my favorite Portland venues, one of my favorite venues in general in the country, and I pretty much watched their entire set from the get-go with a big smile on my face that I cannot remove, and that's that, uh, that's that undeniable feeling that can't really be fucked with, at least for me, and, uh, they formed this band accidentally, as you will hear in this conversation, and are made up of members of, uh, a few other existing Seattle, projects including the moon doggies chris king and the gutter balls and all-star opera i have seen all of those bands before but uh there was something about this project and all four of these guys seth malcolm kevin and chris are just killer musicians and uh just these beautiful mesmerizing harmonies that I really don't think you can understand the power of until you you get to see it in the live setting. So I really enjoyed getting to spend some time with these dudes. Kevin was the only one in the band that I hadn't met before, but this was uh, really the first time I really got to hang with any of these guys outside of seeing them at a show and their various projects or running into them at festivals. So it was nice Getting to hang and uh, get to know all of them a bit more. I've been in communication with Seth and Chris for almost five years or so. I managed a Portland-based folk rock band called Brother Not Brother. And we did a few show trades with Chris King and the Gutter Ball some time ago between Portland and Seattle. So I was stoked that Seth, who plays keys in the band, let me know about this Smallpaw project and invited me out to that Doug First show. And if you are in the Portland, Oregon area... You can catch Small Paul here again on September 25th at Mississippi Studios with the Barbaras and Silver Triplets of the Rio Hondo. Highly recommend you tap into that one if you're in the area. And if you're outside of Portland and you dig these guys, give them a follow on their socials and their Spotify. Check out their EP and stay tuned for more recorded tunes from the band and tour dates outside of the Pacific Northwest. All the links for Small Paul will be in the episode notes. If you are local to the Portland, Oregon area, I am throwing a show this coming Saturday, September 3rd. First day at Cable presents Billing and Music in uh, a long time, definitely since the pandemic. My homies in a band called Harper's from Salt Lake City are coming through for some shows. So come out to Mississippi Pizza Pub this coming Saturday. September 3rd, I really want to pack this place out for them. It's only 10 bucks and it's going to be good times down there. Rum River Colt and lovely duo also on the bill that night. And uh, that is all my ramblings up top. Hope everyone is doing well out there. And we are going to get into episode 323 from Seattle, Washington. Small Paul on the podcast and we're kicking it off with a track called mexico off their strange land ep let's do the damn
1: thing like that, John, singing low to the wild.
0: To chat with y'all i was uh i was very impressed by your your show that i saw the other night at the fur in portland it was uh i don't know i've i've been enjoying listening to the to the ep since seth sent it my way and i thought that was cool and i dug some of the tunes but i think seeing it live like put it in the uh, i don't know just like a, a different lens I, I definitely had like a uh, a very big smile on my face, like throughout most of the set. I just thought like the harmonies were so locked in, and just kind of like one of those undeniable things to to get to see. And it was rad because I'm definitely like familiar with the other bands that uh, are a part of uh, you know like what you guys have done before starting the Small Paul thing. And uh, to to various degrees, I've, I've seen Moon Doggies play before like years ago at mississippi studios i think with like maybe like cedar teeth or something or uh i think i think you guys play with the banditos like oh yeah a real long time ago at mississippi studios and i was at that show okay yeah yeah that was a good show and then uh yeah i've seen i've seen the gutter balls do uh do that whole thing so yeah it was it was cool to uh to, to see what was uh happening with the small Paul project and and Seth gets to like see you play in something uh very different from all-star opera you know in this this folk bluesy rock world you know outside of uh what you do with that so it was uh yeah it was just rad I really just enjoyed the set a lot and then when I listened to the Strangeland EP kind of like after that I felt like I was uh hearing it through kind of kind of different ears so yeah, but I don't know. We can just kind of maybe start at the beginning. Maybe y'all want to just uh, talk to me about how this thing got going and how this project formed?
2: Yeah, it was a, a happy accident, we like to say. Um, uh, Chris and I and Malcolm at the time were living in this house, and um, we would get together in the basement and, and play. And I know Chris and I had sung had some late night singing together and we knew we had some good harmonies, good capacity to kind of uh, blend. Um, And it kind of was a slow build. There was a lot of that first summer just kind of messing, that first summer of uh, the pandemic. And um, we got to a point where we just, we had songs and it, it just felt like it was something. So when the tractor opened up, the Moondoggies did three nights, and I just considered it an opportunity to uh, kind of legitimize us. And it felt a little self-indulgent to be in two bands, but you know everything had been shut down for a year. And I was really excited about the chemistry and the music that we were putting together, and I just really wanted to put it out there in front of an audience. And also just to get Small Paul kind of rolling in that way, and uh, then we you know when you have that uh, the pressure on for a like a show, I think we kind of yeah. buckled down, put the finishing touches on what we had, which was essentially a twenty five minute set of material, and really kind of get it show ready, and we were able to do a uh, practice show kind of in a backyard just to make sure that we could do it. And then uh, we did that show at the tractor in front of a full cr- crowd of people and it was i think it was really well received mm-hmm. was
0: that pretty much just like the that set was that pretty much the songs that you hear on the the stranger land ep then
2: yes yeah well uh yeah it was a couple a couple more songs that we had but so the
3: one more was it.
2: yeah the ep was basically the songs that we had the most ready to record. So, um, the ones that we definitely felt like had beginnings and ends. <laughs> yeah, we'd been playing for
4: you know a year during the pandemic too You're already. So through to your, to your mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi, hello. Chris. Hello, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'd been Thank playing you. already you know together for about a year during the pandemic. So it was nice coming, bringing it to the stage. But we were already pretty rehearsed by the time we hit the stage. So it was felt comfortable. It was nice. Yeah. It come pretty natural, just the uh the harmonies
0: between the three of you. Did it just like seem to to fit together with what uh Kevin does vocally pretty easily and from the from
4: the start? Yeah. I yeah, I think it it really kinda came together pretty quick, you know. Kevin and I, like Kevin said, we were, you know, singing songs in the living room and stuff, just acoustically together for a while and then Malcolm brought in his magic and just became this you know three piece little deal yeah
2: well i do want to point out real quick too that we were the the project is started and just kind of maintained this kind of loose looseness Mm -hmm. to the project um and at the beginning it was just chris and i singing and then it's one of those things like playing musical chairs and I, i one of us asked malcolm if he would be open to singing he's like yeah i was in choir in middle school and it was kind of it's one of those things where you don't know what to expect and it ended up being set up a mic just like when you know as you do just if you hear a part you feel a part go ahead and sing it and um chris and i were kind of blown away and it kind of led more into his singing in with the gutter balls but it was he has got he's got great pitch and i you know close your eyes while you're singing and you're like wait malcolm's over there that sounds great yeah you know? and the voices all blend, and it just felt it was kind of a good analogy of what this project has been it's just like you know people kind of lean into it and then it, it comes out sounding great yeah malcolm what was
0: your your comfortability when you were uh you know singing in front of these guys for the first time
5: uh a little nerve wracking honestly because they're i mean they're both excellent singers in their own right yeah and together and uh I mean, I knew I could sing, like I sing in the car, but like playing bass and singing, like I never really considered it because it's it's kind of difficult to have two separate rhythms going on in in your head. But I gave it a shot. Just decided to dive in and try it, and just over time, like the complexity started to build, and got more comfortable with it, like over time. And I don't know. It's, I'm still like. I'm still like getting there like but like where we're at right now like I can do a lot of stuff and it's opened up a lot of like creative uh doors in small uh and in the gutter balls does it feel like it makes the
0: uh the live show any more engaging for you on a different level
5: yeah I mean it's just like a it's just like another layer of like I always kind of look at you know, different parts and, like, with, like, vocals, like, it's just, like, it's like a tapestry. You're, you're creating a painting with, like, different elements and stuff and, like, having multiple vocals, especially three-part harmonies, like, when they're right, like, it can really sound euphoric and, yeah. like, ethereal and, and I, you know, I think we, I think we nailed that.
0: Yeah, I think I think that was like yeah, a huge takeaway of the show just the the power of the vocal harmonies for sure. And Seth, I saw you singing like just, you know, off mic during the set, which I I've I've talked about that on this podcast like I appreciate the fuck out of that cuz like to me that like shows me how engaged you are with the set. When somebody's singing off mic, it just kind of like I don't know, there's a level of conviction to that to me I think
3: yeah um, I know the songs <laughs> really well and when there's like a dropout part I'm like oh man that's such a good part and I there's some moments where I, I'm watching them sing and I'm just like damn that sounds really good right now and I think just like what they're saying as far as like how this is kind of like falling into place organically I only got in this band because I was managing Chris King of the Gutterballs. that's how I met you yeah uh, and when the pandemic hit they were basically my pod mates and uh, by way of Kevin being a roommate here um, an additional pod mate and I think there was a, at one point where I was like the, one of the only people allowed in this house um, and I'd been working with the Gutterball since like fall of 2018 and Chris and I had never jammed together ever and just a lot of free time and ended up in the basement with them jamming that, that, that summer and it just all kind of fell into into place organically which has been really cool yeah outside of
0: like all-star opera what was your like involvement in any sort of project that sounds like what small paul does
3: just engineering like i've done a lot of engineering over the last decade and even before small paul i was working on some indie rock projects yeah um but really like growing up like all-star opera is a hip-hop project this is very much rooted in like folk rock uh, Americana growing up like my my listening palette if you will like was like very split between hip-hop and just like old school music a lot of the Beatles in my household growing up Um, so it kind of like my dad played in a rock band in the early 90s in the the grunge scene there was like band practice downstairs like three to four nights a week it kind of felt inevitable that out eventually like get involved with something like this, but I wasn't trying to like force the funk and make it happen. I was just seeing what comes to me. Yeah. Are you having fun then? in something that's like, so, Oh yeah. So different. I mean, it goes back to like when I'm singing a song on stage, even though I don't have a mic, it's like, I truly love the songs we're, we're writing. And again, it's like, there's moments where I'm listening to them saying, I'm just like, this is so cool.
2: I think there's, there's something I enjoy too. That is very pure and I experienced this with the Moondoggies too where we, we all grew up together but where the project started not with this like intention of starting a band it just just for the kind of love and and it's such a crazy time being locked inside and you just trying to get stuff out and I you know Moondoggies didn't really play the you know gutter balls were able to to play and I think I was feeling a little crazy and um There's just something really nice about it coming from, like just being born out of something that was just more um, playful and no pressure and and maintaining that, I think. I mean, we're obviously kind of a baby uh, as far as bands go, but I feel like that's built into the DNA of the project. And you kind of experience that with Chris and I switching on drums, where it kind of has that basement or living room kind of ease. And so, like, after you guys played that, that first show at The Tractor, was just the
0: reception to it also a motivator for wanting to uh, just carry out a little bit more with this project and, and play some more live shows?
5: Yeah. I I mean, I would say, like, the reception was... I mean, this the reception was, like, really affirming. And honestly, like, those first, like, five or six shows, like, were packed and the reception was like really great and like it didn't take like too long before like we were just like that yeah, there's actually something here there's something like going on
2: but it was it was definitely getting a little frustrating at a certain point To i mean the, i'm really proud of the ep but it was it was almost out of necessity to prove that we existed too because we were like playing shows and you can't book with sending uh, booking agents like your instagram video you know? <laughs> yeah and so like i know like we're really excited to make a record and make it more sonically representative of what we can do but the i think the recording was like is for what it was uh, especially just kind of this cool little capture of uh of us and um and what the project is but um, there was a while there where people were coming and seeing us. They're like, "This is great!" and I want to hear this. And I get the songs in my head. Yeah. And... Yeah. Do you feel like the the
0: EP is also kind of representative of like maybe the house show version of Small Paul, almost like sonically, just with the like some of the raw elements to it?
4: Yeah, I think you know, definitely, you know, like you said before, just with us switching off on drums and guitar and and taking you know the lead on writing songs and our approach on that and singing the songs like um it's all yeah pretty organically just you know fun for us and i think that translates into the crowd that we're just having a good time yeah. and uh yeah the shows you know EP was definitely really great for us you know we definitely been getting some nice reception from the release but honestly the shows before the EP too were doing really well and that's kind of been a pretty huge blessing as well
0: yeah it was definitely like very engaging as well as an audience member just to like see the switching of you you two from guitar to drums and you know i think that that seems to like shake things up quite a bit and just to get to see chris like i've only seen you play in the gutter balls before this so to see that that first track that mountain track was like what you guys opened with that night and to see you behind the kit and singing like lead from back there was just like so cool i was just like oh this is this is fucking rad.
4: Yeah, it's really fun. It's I mean it's kind of hilarious because we've been busting our butt to do the gutter ball thing for yeah, so long, and I mean, then we <laughs> we come in and just do something fun and like it's getting like so much good reception. Yeah, you were telling uh, me that at
0: like Doug Fur. It's just like I've been trying to play this fucking yeah, venue for like five gonna, years. <laughs> this is <was laughs> like our first small ball show in Portland, and we're playing Doug Fur. Totally. Yeah. It determines like which one of you is playing drums and which one of you is playing guitar is it just like based on who wrote the song or like
2: was well, it so the the project what's kind of cool about it like where as opposed to uh, I can I can't speak for gutter balls but with like Moondoggies it was very collaborative but at the end of the day like I'm the dad like or I'm the I'm the captain and um, What I really appreciate about this band is that they're it's 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 like a four-headed thing, and so the ego doesn't play as much of a role. Like Chris and I aren't fighting over uh, anything. Like there's parts that I'm like, I've written vocal parts that I'm like, you know, Chris can hit it better than I can, or you know, Chris and I can suggest lines to each other, even if you know if I'm singing lead and he has a good idea for a line. It's almost like just 100% serving the song. So the what determines what we're playing is sometimes just like just who's sitting where. And then what's cool about that is you know something like Mountain, the first when we first that song first started developing, I was on drums, and then and Chris was on guitar, and then it just became one of those things where I think we were playing it and we just didn't switch back. And it was kind of like, oh, this is kind of a cool feel. And it's kind of liberating to have the freedom of, uh, you know, we can write it one way and then what if uh, the vibe is really us doing it the other way or who, you know, someone's approach or someone has a suggestion for a part or, you know, it's just more about the song than the individual, which is really fun.
3: I also think y'all, Chris and, by y'all, I mean Chris and Kevin, they... uh, They have a just slightly different drumming style, and so every now and then, I think, like Kevin mentioned with Mountain, like one person will start the song on one one place on guitar, and then you like you get going, and sometimes just randomly, like it'll happen to switch after like coming back in from a break or something, and you'll hear the song in a little different light. And there's been a moment or two in the last year or two where it's like actually. I know that we were just doing it like this for like the last couple times we played it, but there's something different going on here when y'all switch and yeah. it's, it's like we get two different, um, I don't know, like beat makers almost on the drums, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask like for Malcolm and Seth, like is, does that like shift the dynamic a lot for the two of you when they switch between guitar and drums? Like, does it feel like the band is, is different? during those parts of the sets or like is there adjustments to be made? Do you play any differently with each of them playing drums?
5: I mean I've never really thought about it because I'm always just like well this is just what it is so I'm just going to find the pocket and be there. Yeah. You know. I mean they're both you know they both can lay down beats. You know I'm I guess I'm more like when then when I'm playing with them, I'm just trying to focus in on, like, dialing it in with them, you know. Or, but like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't find myself uh thinking about that too much. Yeah, so it's like pretty seamless. It's not. Yeah, I mean, it, it helps that like Chris and I have a musical relationship that goes back years. So I, you know, there's a lot of things like within Chris that I can anticipate just because like we know each other so well. Um, And then like, I don't know, playing with Kevin. I mean, we have like similar backgrounds. So, I mean, he kind of same kind of same thing, you know, maybe a little differently. We've developed more of a musical relationship over time, of course, but yeah,
2: it's fun. And Chris and I have talked about this too. Is that it's fun to write when you're on in the drum seat. Because you can just... And we have one song, it's not on the EP, but I'm playing drums and I'm just like, yeah, well, actually the beat just changes in the middle of it. And uh, cause I, I'm pretty sure this is true for Chris, but we were both drummers first and uh, started off... I come from drummers in my family and then kind of abandoned it when I was a teenager just because I wanted to write songs and it's harder to write. Yeah. But when you're you know, flash forward and you're in, surrounded by people who enjoy writing songs too, you can, uh, you, that's not a, a, an impedim- impediment for, for writing. And, you know, we can always switch, but you have the language and kind of communicate things. So um, yeah, because when you're younger and you're sitting on the drums and you're like, oh, I wish I could sing and play, and then you just have to take it over and it just feels kind of full circle, and I play guitar pretty percussively anyway, so I don't know if it's too weird of a transition um, and we probably both have a lot more language to, uh, to communicate, you know how we want things to where we can imagine things going. you know yeah
0: yeah, it doesn't like feel like it necessarily like shifts the dynamic in like a huge way when you guys switch instruments. I think maybe also just because like all of the harmonies are still happening so that doesn't like really change and it doesn't seem to like Just because you're on drums doesn't like seem to determine you're singing the lead vocal or like vice-versa on the guitar
4: and whatnot So I mean it is cool being on the drums and singing lead as well though because you can kind of demand like uh, where the you know the lead uh, melody is gonna land um, and rhythmically place it where you want it and punctuate it, you know, kind of perfectly where, where it should be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think Kevin and I both really like playing the drums too. And it's kind of a, you know, it was our first instrument, but it's also a newer instrument and we're both learning how to like sit in that saddle again. And, uh, it's really fun personally for me. I I love playing the drums. I'm always like, Oh, I gotta go play guitar. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, uh, and it's, it's really nice to be able to switch off, yeah, in between a set and have both, um, especially coming from a songwriter yeah.
2: aspect, you know, it's nice to nice to have both.
4: And we're both uh, we're both
2: used to being in like the driver's seat, so it's kind of nice. I'd imagine for you too with like playing guitar. If someone, if I'm on the drums taking the lead, you it's kind of nice to not feel the pressure all the time to have to like carry the weight of a song, and so you can. I I kind of love. Even I mean I same like we were joking the other day like oh I like you know I don't want to go on guitar I want to just play drums <laughs> and then when but being on guitar you can you can get a little bit more into like with Moondoggies I couldn't necessarily always get uh, super into guitar parts maybe uh, for some songs but it, it was a lot more of like this focused on the the chords and the melodies and whatnot
0: yeah do you think like playing the drums also just informs your, like, the rhythm to your vocals and your, your approach in that? Like, do you think that changes much?
4: Like, stylistically?
0: Yeah, do you think it just, like, attributes to, like, the rhythmic nature of, like, what you do vocally when you are, uh-huh. like, kind of tapped into, like, that drummer's mindset and can kind of, like, see things from that seat?
4: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think Picking up any instrument's gonna like, you know, kind of uh, take you to a new place to explore, you know, musically or direction wise where you're gonna <clears throat> where you're gonna take it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, kinda like, you know, Kevin was saying it's nice to be in a band where it's kinda like a four headed beast and we're we're all kinda adding something to the band so it's not like there's a distinct leader or there's yeah. like a you know, there's a it's just we're all in it together and we're having fun and it's really about the song and the song's taking it where it where it should go. And you know, if we write a part on one instrument and decide somebody else should play that instrument, it's all good. Or if we write a lyric and, you know, we want to use it or you know, turn it into something else or manipulate it from there, um, can totally change and I I don't care personally.
2: I, I never really got to have a lot of discussions in the Moondoggies about lyrics. I feel like those guys were generally not interested. Sometimes they would write like a, a chorus or something, but it was basically on my shoulders. So it's kind of fun to like have a discussion about what is being said, or um, maybe throwing a line here or there, like even you know make something past tense, or you know. And Chris and I are exist in a similar world of songwriting, but we're also very different. And I really enjoyed the, his approach and his kind of perspective and the stuff that he sings about, and it's kind of helped me want to, you know, to you know shift or not feel kind of locked into something. And um, I think some of my lyrics can sometimes be like therapeutic. And Chris has like these songs that are really uh, have these really beautiful images in them, you know, like that kind of are good, like mountain and, and Mexico are pretty primarily his that I, I like the images that the lyrics paint Yeah. whereas like strange land is something like me being vague <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah i don't know but i still feel like that song
0: can produce its own imagery in like a different way
2: yeah i mean it's definitely uh kind of how I've i have approached what i i'm i'm really excited about because we are so young is like it's still developing and evolving, and and the songs like I'm really excited about the stuff that we're cooking right now, and and um, it, you're you're just like you feel like your ceilings like really really high, and we haven't even gotten there. We've just like if this is what we could do, kind of not being so, you know, uh, stressed out about, you know, because I've been Moondog has been going solid for like 15 years, and it's been up and down and been road dogs and put out lots of records and, and done it. And there's something kind of, um, uh, just freeing about having a fresh approach and, and, um, and collaborating with this project.
0: Yeah. Well, I think like also maybe like that ceiling is like elevated too when you guys have that mentality of like, want, like, I don't know when you remove like the part of it where like, Oh, I wrote this song so I have to sing it. It's like when you can start to like recognize that somebody else might have the better voice for this thing and it's like you still wrote it, you're still a part of it. It's and like the band, you know. Yeah. They'd absolutely. just be like,
2: Well, this song would best be for Richard or uh or even the Beatles, uh, you know, let's give this one to Ringo or yeah. you know, like or, you know, just uh, I mean they're my all time and they had a lot of that where they people wouldn't maybe know that George wrote lyrics in Eleanor Rigby and you know that it was a, a lot more this like hive mind of serving the song
0: yeah you guys feel like you can sing those lyrics that you did not write with like the same amount of conviction or like that it's like easy for you to still uh, I don't know just express those things that you didn't necessarily write?
4: Um, yeah, I think so. Um, I think I think uh, just with the band being, um, in my mind, kind of just this fun project uh, that we get to experiment and write together, um, I don't know, personally, I, I'm kind of game for whatever anybody brings to the table because, you know, a lot in my songwriting... I, I take it pretty like seriously and I edit it, you know, I edit the fuck out of it and like, I don't know, I, I just, I put it on a pretty high pedestal and not like I don't with these songs, but I'm very open to interpretation, other people's interpretation and, uh, what we're all, you know, thinking maybe the song, um, what's best for the song, uh, lyrically or musically and, um, yeah, the songs kind of come together pretty, pretty quickly in that that fashion too so and seth like are you uh is it nice for you to
0: for there to only be one guitar player in the band as far as like the live set does that seem to like leave a lot of room for you to do your thing on the keys
3: yeah i think each song is just a case-by-case basis of like where i go with it um it is nice It, it leaves room and I think the biggest thing is it's not just guitar, but like even bass guitar too. It's just like being mindful of like what space you're occupying and trying to like really fill out the frequency spectrum so that, you know, everyone is being heard, uh, even from like a musical sonic perspective. Yeah. I appreciate that. That like the,
0: often the, you know, the drums are like definitely effective in carrying the beat and the emotion, but, I think there's like a lot of simplicity at times and that like seems to like really like what i noticed in the live shows that that's like where i can really hear like malcolm cutting through with like the fat bass grooves on like something like mexico or like and the same with seth like you can just like really hear everybody's playing like there's so much room for it but it's also like this
3: wall of sound in like a very good way and There's some beautiful harmonies going on that you don't want to cover up with, like, overplaying or, like, clashing with the harmonies. And I think that's – if I was in the audience, I want to hear those harmonies. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, how can we lift those up? Is it easy to, like, recognize those moments, like, for
0: you as a player, like, pulling back, like, playing in this group?
3: We've gotten pretty good at, like, acknowledging when something's being overplayed. I, like I can think of a moment like last month on a new song we're working on, where like Malcolm was like, "I think we're playing a little too much," and then the, literally the next take, without even like saying what needed to happen, I think we just understood what he was saying by yeah. like we're playing a little too much, and like there it was, and next show we're playing that song finally.
0: So. Yeah, no one took it as like a
3: shot. Everybody's no, not just at like, all. "Yeah,
5: maybe he's right." <laughs> I think everybody like practices like mindfulness as like you know because like what Seth was saying like occupying spaces but that like also includes like rhythms like if someone's playing something that's like pretty rhythmically like quick or there's a lot going on like you don't want too many other instruments on top of that like maybe one other but like you want contrasts you know so you want to have like another instrument and that's kind of maybe like maybe brought down you know they're doing like half less. There's something like that, and I think everybody for the most part practices that pretty well,
2: yeah, you just want to know when if you need to get out of the way, and i think with I think that Chris and I have been writing songs long enough that there's moments where you know I respect that i'm like I need to get out of his way, you know, I let those like those like oh, I like these lyrics, I shouldn't muck it up by getting in the way and like trying you know I'm not much of a shredder anyways, but like stepping on toes and um when you write the tendency is to throw a lot up and it's like you're like sculpts you know and then you start carving it away and so i've had a lot of moments like mexico and mountain where i was like i just need to get out of the way like i have too much and it's better dynamically if i'm just not throwing it all out there and letting things build and 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 recognizing when you're Getting yeah, if like Chris is singing and like allowing that, even with vocal parts too. Like, I'll jump in and harmonize when I feel like it. It's supporting it, but I'll sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just I'm I don't need to be here. Like, I'm just it's too much because the harmony thing can be a lot, and a lot of people have done that. And I just want a, the the core there to be a, a solid song, and then that's the thing you don't want to sometimes. The tendency for some people might be to like, oh, we can make it good by putting all this stuff on it, but you have to—you want the song to be good at the base and then build up.
0: Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starter's menu. That fry sauce... I don't know what it is, but it's banging, and in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports, and the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., residencies from local artists including Spinach. Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP, as well as DJs and Beatmakers, every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local beat makers, Love Jones and Free Tillman, every second Sunday, and DJ Slim Guinea every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now, let's get back to the episode. How do you guys feel? Like, I don't know, you're talking a lot about, like, kind of the fun energy towards this and just how it hasn't like it wasn't something that was taken super seriously in the beginning and just like wasn't big plans for it like how do you feel like maybe you try to main like maintain some of like what has been good about that now that you are like working on this band a little bit more
2: it's fun so as long as it's fun you know like i will say like so i'm 37 I started Moondoggies when I was like 21 and I feel like I have experienced a lot of uh, things good and bad about being in a band and how to approach it and facing, I've gone through periods of burnout. And and also, you know, when I was younger, Moondoggies got some attention off the bat with our first record. So I was so young and I think I was really sensitive and let things interfere like with my mental health around creating and I think I've kind of it's so much easier to just recognize the joy of creation and being in the environment and feeling how knowing how lucky we are to get to do it and I felt it like I've played music with people outside of Moondoggies but I just felt something very electric pretty like quick I mean I can't say that it was like the first jam but like there was a period of time where I was just like, this is, this is too good. This is fun. Like, I think we're sounding good. Like we got to go, like, I don't know what it is, but we got to go, we got to, we have some records in us that'll be, I think, fun, good records. And I think, I don't think I say this now, but I really think it's easy to know to be able to stay in this place because it's, We've both been, in, we've all been in bands like grinding it out and having the experience. And I think when you're coming from a sense of um, uh, innocence or like, there's like a purity to it that you just—it's—it's uh, it's kind of actually really affirming too to like the joy of creating. And that it, that this project immediately like people were like, you guys should keep doing this. This yeah. is fun. I think it comes through. So. I th- I think uh, one other thing too to answer your question in a more
3: in a more like. Tactical, logistical sense is, you know, Kevin mentioned he's like the leader of or the captain of the Moondoggies. I would definitely say for All-Star Opera, I'm the captain as well. And what we're finding even just like putting out the the project this past month is like we're, we're finally getting to the point as a band where it's like, oh, there's like there's some subtle business stuff that we have to do yeah. to push this <laughs> thing forward. And what's really nice that is fun about that is it's not just on one of us Mm. because we've all experienced that in our own projects as far as what it takes to push a band forward so it doesn't feel like any single one of us has to carry that burden yeah and it also helps that just generally genuinely like hanging out with all of them so even if there's like some email stuff it's like i'm just gonna come over here and do it and hang out yeah um yeah the hang the hang just continues to get like more important kevin has like every streaming platform too so like (laughs) yeah i can come send emails and like just tune
4: into whatever he's watching and he'll get some work done too i think when we start taking separate cars to the gig then we need to address something but we're all still rolling together
0: (laughs) (laughs) no that's nice like to to remove like those pressures like not only within like the band dynamics of like the playing and the songwriting and knowing that there's like other people to fall on, like fall back onto there or just like another place to mine ideas, but to like have the logistical shit that you have to deal with as a band when everybody's kind of like participating in it and does have like some understanding of like what it's like to be the head of shit. I think then that perspective becomes this shared thing that everybody just wants to to like make it the easiest and like yeah. it's so much nicer like when you're just involved in a project too where there isn't some like pressure for s- some sort of like financial sustainability or like you know like you were saying like moon doggy's got some attention like pretty quickly after the first record and it's like that can create so much like bullshit to deal with or like so much like i don't know just, well that was
2: hard too because uh, us being just buddies And there was like this kind of implied, like, you know, Hardly Art put out the record and you got to the machinery comes into play. And sometimes it would be it would be it wasn't necessarily that I was dealing with uh, people who were like, I want to be a road dog or, you know, they were like, yeah, I think I think so. And it comes to like the actual execution of it. I know I faced burnout. One of the things that I got burned out on was um, just sometimes seeing if any everybody gave a shit. You know, they just suddenly the band would disappear, and it it happens, and people's lives get busy. But you're like, anybody read that email about that pretty cool show? (laughs) It's pretty good opportunity. Ever anybody listening? Out anybody out there? And you know, I love those guys, and it's like really easy to always kind of pick up and and play. Um, But early on, that could be that was like a big thing. Sometimes it's just like, do you want? to do this because this is like i want to do this this is fun and then with small paul i think we've all you know all are we are all kind of that guy in the band in those bands and so it's to have a band full of people who are like let's go yeah. let's boogie like let's write let's play and let's sure. let's do it i'm sure that makes everybody more willing to just like do those
0: things or be excited to do those things or just like knowing that everything's like so open-ended creatively i'm sure just like if malcolm or seth had like an opening riff or something i'm sure that like makes it more comfortable for them to like bring that stuff in even if they're not like the main songwriters or whatever malcolm
2: in mexico and mountain are both malcolm instigated so and then chris and i just gotta i did soul sugar soul sugar
3: nice
0: so is that just like coming up with something on the keys or for malcolm like are you also writing things on guitar from time to time
5: uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm always practicing, and I kind of practice right now like an hour or two a day um, just because I'm in this and the Gutter Balls and actually another group right now too, and I'm just trying to be like a good performer. I mean, like when I sit and play bass, like I'm playing like the songs I know and kind of like thinking about different Maybe I can add this like here, and then on top of that, like I'm also thinking about bass lines, yeah. and uh, you know I come up with like grooves, you know, and I'll bring it, you know, to these guys and be like, if there's anything we can do with it, let, let's do it, and if it doesn't, like, that's fine, I'll take it and keep it. You kind of just use start it playing, somewhere else, or you just start
3: playing the riff, and if the things happen. And it seems positive, and everyone's like jamming to it. And but if it's like everyone stops after like two or three minutes, you're like, all right, next next one. It's not like
2: I have this grand idea I would like to present to you. Yeah, yeah. it's fun for Chris and I for singing it, if that's happening because it's almost like there's like a connect the dot and we just or something, or we just can go in there and start adding colors yeah, and be like, yeah. oh, this is fun.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine that kind of like brings something out different in your writing yeah, as it well. Might be
2: something that we you know if we didn't. Instigate an idea, but then we get to write on it. Then it it, it brings out new things for us. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was also curious as far as like the writing. You know, being that you you've got like the Moon Doggies project and you've got the Chris King and the Gutterballs project. Is it? Like when you're coming up with new ideas, how do you know something is for like small Paul, and how do you know something is for yeah. you know the other uh, projects? I was
4: just uh, thinking about this today, actually, because I was working on a song earlier this morning. I thought you were gonna say you're prepping to have this conversation. Yeah, no, I actually. Just you want to get you guys down, down. Let's <laughs> have a seat. <laughs> Might as well do it here. Uh, uh, but no, just you know, like deciding like where is this song gonna go uh it is kind of difficult because you know i'm i'm writing for three different bands right now Um, not the soul writer but uh you know definitely like bringing ideas to the table i don't know i it's kind of whatever you're inspired to do at the moment or you know for me like like lyrically what i think maybe um whatever song might benefit uh, the style of whatever band um, i'm pointing it towards or a lot of the time I'll just bring it up to Small Paul first and, and or Gutterballs first or whoever I'm playing with that day and then it goes from there. But
5: I don't know. It's yeah. Well, and I mean the background on Mexico and the Mountain. I mean those songs were they weren't initially Gutterball songs but they were material that Chris and I were working on like together okay. and I mean it just in both both bands got to touch those songs and the material that Kevin and Seth were coming up with it just seemed to fit better in Small Paul. Yeah, sometimes it's like, well, this song could really use a piano
4: riff in there and a three-part harmony yeah. and that would be best for the song or like sometimes it is like uh, you know, a hand me down to like okay, this doesn't not the band's not really digging it in this project, so we'll see how it works in this other one.
2: You know, I'll say, too, that there was it wasn't totally clear that we were a band when these songs were being written. (laughs) (laughs) That's super true. true. So it was it was actually making the conscious decision to give Mountain is either either Mountain or I think it was Mexico. Once Malcolm, I think, was like, okay, this can be a small ball song. I was probably going like, what? You know, it's got to (laughs) be.
5: Yeah, that one was the holdout. And I think
2: once we did that, it was like confirmation that, you know, it's given love to the project and saying that this is worth all of our, um, like, you know, we were still like having that, like, are we a band kind of moment? And so it was like in establishing that. And, uh, I mean, for me, like I, Moondoggies haven't played a lot in the last few years. So, um, and I tend to write a lot in the room. So, um, a lot of my creativity has just generally gone to Small Paul because of that but there was a song that we uh, uh, Seth was kind of coming up with the chords that song Some Love and then I had written turned it into a song but we played it for like two months and then I was gonna take it over to the Moondoggies and then I just kind of more so recently was like well that doesn't make any sense and it was cause it felt, I wasn't sure it was completely our or vibe but then uh it just felt more i just m- maybe we just hadn't given it enough time or just like sat down with it or I'd it was like a foregone conclusion that i was gonna do it with the moondoggies maybe because i thought if i do it with the moondoggies then i'll be able to play it because i didn't know if small paul was totally a band yet because mm-hmm. i was really proud of it and then it was like well no it is a band and so and then ironically it's like playing more shows with small paul right now so I'm just glad i wrote the chords because uh, it
3: gave me a stake to keep asking him like every couple weeks like hey we should we should bring that song i mean it was one of those things where once we actually started playing shows and we started talking about a full album it's like hey that song we should bring it back and it's been it's been really cool to i don't know just all the songs it's it to say like okay so like malcolm comes up with a bass line it's like everyone's pouring in like like putting their like heart on the table and more often than not like just molding together so naturally which is really cool yeah you guys pretty stoked to
0: put together like some more recordings then since you did feel kind of just like the pressure to to put something out so you had something to like represent the band
2: absolutely because i think i think we have a lot of i think we've been cooking some good stuff and um Again, sonically, I would like to put out something that is a little bit... um, Like, I really am proud of that EP, but there's just like, certain... You know, I'd love to... Certain guitar tones and certain sounds that I'd really like to... um, Just... The way we did it was... um, Our friend Bradford essentially engineered it in this basement. And then uh, we did some recording overdubs in the basement here. But it was very kind of piecemeal. We did some... It's pretty live, and then some guitar overdubs but there wasn't a lot like in, in the past when i've made records you gotta like i'll go plug in this guitar into this amplifier and try this and kind of dial it in it was yeah. more so like we just gotta get like four songs documented have it you know and we sent it to eric blood who does a lot of the moon doggies work and great seattle producer and a pretty eclectic uh style and he he made it sound great and um so I, uh, you know my feeling is like if if it sounds that good for how we did it in that circumstance like just starting from the beginning you know getting the songs dialed in and ready and, and making uh, a record i'm i'm really really excited to do it
0: yeah well like i said like i think i think the ep sounds cool but it really was like seeing the live show that put it all like into perspective it's kind of like that whole uh I don't know. It's like you hear like some Hendrix or some Pink Floyd all of those times before you get stoned and then you get stoned and listen to it for the first time. And then after that, you hear it that way after the, you know, like forever. It's, it's like that lens that you hear it through. And that was kind of like, that was my takeaway from the show. It was like, all right, now when I listen to this record or this EP, you know, even though it doesn't necessarily like feel the same as the live show, like I just hear it that way, just because I was like able to see it, I think. And
3: well, one thing you can't see when you're just listening to it on 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 a tape or a streaming platform is, you know, Chris is singing "Mexico and Mountain" from the drum kit, yeah, in, in the studio. You know, I mean, for Mexico for sure, like live, um, singing from the drum kit, and so when you when you watch it live, you get to kind of see. All the parts and how they move come to life, and I definitely think that's a, an added special bonus to Small Paul for sure.
0: I appreciate the uh, the communal aspects of like all of the harmonizing and everything. It's definitely like engaging as an audience member for sure, and uh, yeah, that was one of my my favorite uh, Portland sets I've seen in a while. Like it was it was really impactful to to see like it was yeah it was killing thank you. so oh, thank you i'm glad that i got to uh to see it live and uh just appreciate the the tunes that you all are riding stoked to uh stoked to hear what's what's cooking up and uh definitely encourage people to check out the the strangerland ep strangerland strange and we
2: will be in portland in september be back september twenty fifth Fifth.
0: Uh, i'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh keep up with y'all and check out the ep and we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program so if we could get the uh the small paul it's a program maybe uh i don't know maybe all together you can do it however you like i don't want to like put it you know, any pressure on it, but I feel like the band with the, the banging harmonies, we should let Seth be a yeah, part yeah, of it yeah. too. You know, like- well, I get a mic on stage for, for, shows. banter. You know,
3: Ringo gets a song every album. They, you know, I got an octopus song down the line. Uh-huh.
4: Uh, it's a program on three program program. You got it. Yeah. All right. It's a program on three, one, two, three. it's It's a a program. program
0: that's small paul everybody they nailed it and uh we are going to uh play it out with that stranger in strangeland track off the uh the ep one of my favorite jams that uh is available to listen to from small paul now and that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side seattle
3: portland wherever you are listening from
0: give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to DistroKid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that DistroKid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.